when I was about 15 years old, I you know hit puberty not long before that. I came in from outside playing, and and there was a videotape laying on the on the table that my mom had rented with her friends. I didn't know what it was. I walked over, I picked it up, I popped oh. it in the VCR, and immediately on the television, I see male strippers. Oh my gosh. And the first thought that entered my mind was, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Like, because wow. I saw women sticking money in men's pants, and I was like, what better job can there be than that? And that was my goal from like, you know, 14 or 15 years old. And, and uh, I became sexually active not long after that. And when I was 19, I started stripping. I started working for this entertainment agency in Baltimore. Over the next couple of years, I I, start, I was working for all the entertainment agencies. I was in the phone book. I was the most sought after, you know, male stripper and probably Maryland, really. Welcome to the Empowered Manhood Podcast, where men rediscover courageous masculinity. Pull up a chair as we gain strength from the stories of God working in the lives of ordinary men today. These men have discovered that in a world of superficiality and isolation, we need authentic brotherhood to gain strength for the battles we face every day. Brought to you by the ministry of CLC, which challenges men to an uncommon pursuit of Christ, welcome to Empowered Manhood. Hey guys, welcome back. Once again, my name is Mike Hatch. I am your host, and I'll be joined shortly by my co-host, best-selling author, Chris Bollinger. Man, fellas, we've got an incredible interview for you today. Oh my goodness. Um, today we have guest uh, Rob Kowalski. Listen to this. This is this is incredible. He is a, first of all, he's a self-proclaimed reformed bad boy, Jesus lover, sex and abstinence expert. He was a former male stripper. And guys, I mean, living the life that most men dream of with women fawning all over him, all the sex he would ever want. In fact, he was the most sought after male stripper in Baltimore until God got a hold of him. And man, I cannot wait for you to hear his story about how that happened. He is the founder of a nonprofit organization called City Fam, which is a movement of mostly single, like-minded people who are committed to doing life together. He's also the author of the book entitled Why Waiting Works, How Fast Sex Prevents Us from Finding True Love and Long-Term Happiness. He's also a has a podcast called The Kowalski Analysis. And then lastly, he, he also posted a, a viral YouTube video, has 1.6 million views, uh, and it was called 10 Reasons Not to Have Sex Before Marriage. So Rob is a busy guy. He's got a lot going on right now. And uh, I'm really excited for you to hear his story. Uh, obviously, this in this episode, you can hear mostly about his story and how God impacted his life and then uh, how he's beginning to now be used by God as a redemptive influence in other people's lives. Now, hey, just a reminder, we are a listener-supported podcast, so we would really, really appreciate your partnership with us financially if if God moves you to do so. And you can go to our website at clchq.org, click on the blue Donate button in the top right side of the homepage, and then click the drop-down menu and choose National Fund. And then in the comments, just make sure you note that this is through the Empowered Manhood podcast. That would be super helpful for us to track the fact that you found us that way. One last thing, 
I am always available. Feel free to reach out uh, to us here at CLC. You can reach me at mhatch at clchq.org. We'd love to talk to you about how CLC could help with your men's discipleship strategy. All right, guys, let's dive into our interview now with our guest, Rob Kowalski. Rob Kowalski, welcome to the Empowered Manhood Podcast. Appreciate it, Mike and Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to talk to you, man. Um, I've just recently been doing a little bit more research about you. Chris is the one who initially connected with you. And the more I learn about you, the more I'm very interested and excited to talk to you because uh, I feel like there's a lot of of uh, similarities between what you're doing and your heart for, for mission and ministry and, and what we do at CLC. And so uh, there are several things that we're going to be talking about today, of course, like uh, like what you call the GO method. When you hear about the, the ministry City Fam that you had uh, started as well. And then, of course, you have a book that we'll, we'll talk a little bit about. And then, of course, a podcast. You're a busy guy, man. You're a busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. It keeps me out of trouble. Amen. Oh, dude. Yes. So it'll be fun to to hear more about that. So let's start with your your fence post story. And for those uh, listeners who are maybe listening for the first time, think about a fence that sits along a property and you've got the horizontal pieces, but those vertical pieces that uh, hold everything up uh, symbolize the most impactful moments in our lives uh, or people who've influenced us to make who made us who we are today. And so Rob, we'd love to hear a few of your fence posts. Uh, so share a little bit about who you are so we can get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Again, thanks for the opportunity. So I uh, was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, where, where I still currently reside. And uh, my mom was 14 when she got pregnant with me. And wow. um, my dad never really was in the same state when I was growing up. So it's just kind of her and I, she had an eighth grade education. We moved around a lot. And she was usually working and I was kind of taking care of myself. I remember when I was, I don't know, six or seven, somebody called Child Protective Services. And uh, I remember my mom picking me up. Yeah, somebody uh, somebody called and I remember she picked me up from Boys Club and she was driving me home and she said, there's going to be some people at the house and they're going to ask you if I leave you alone a lot. Tell them no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. And um, so, yeah, so for the most part, I just kind of raised myself and I just taught myself how to be a man and we were poor and I was probably insecure. <clears throat> and so from a pretty young age, I, I, I guess I thought that being good with girls would make me a man. And I was like a big, that was very important to me. And I, when I was about 15 years old, I, you know, hit puberty not long before that I came in from outside playing and, and there was a videotape laying on the, on the table that my mom had rented with her friends. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I walked over, I picked it up, I popped oh. it in the VCR, and immediately on the television, I see male strippers. Oh my gosh. And the first thought that entered my mind was, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Like, because wow. I saw women sticking money in men's pants, and I was like, what better job can there be than that? And that was my goal from like, you know, 14 or 15 years old. And, and uh, I became sexually active not long after that. And when I was 19, I started stripping. I started working for this entertainment agency in Baltimore. Over the next couple of years, I I, start, I was working for all the entertainment agencies. I was in the phone book. I was the most sought after, you know, male stripper and probably Maryland, really. Um, you know, so I was doing a lot of private shows, a lot of birthday bachelorette parties, uh, working with a group that kind of traveled around in a tri-state region. And I was making what felt like a lot of money to me and uh, having a lot of casual sex. And, and in all honesty, I felt like uh, I was, you know, 
This was everything that I'd wanted. Yeah. Now there were a lot of problems in my relationships with women. Cause you know what, sometimes what would happen is I, I, we would have sex and a lot of times I would immediately lose interest after the sex, but sometimes I would continue sleeping with the girl and we would drift into this relationship that was never that great. Mm. would be a lot of fighting and, and, um, mm. and then eventually we'd break up and it would, end, it would just end really badly. And that happened, that happened a couple of times before I, uh, I met the Lord. So, so through most of my twenties, I'm, I'm, that's what I was doing. I was stripping. I went to college, uh, put myself through college that way. And then when I was 25 years old, uh, a nightclub owner approached me and was like, Hey, you know, a lot of people and, you know, hang, hung out with a pretty good looking crowd. And they're like, why don't you promote a night at our bar and we'll, we'll pay you to do it. And we'll give you, you know, half the money you collect at the door. It was kind of a crappy deal in hindsight, but I, I didn't care at that point to me, it was all about women. Like I was like, all right, this is going to get me more girls. So okay. So I started promoting and I turned out I was pretty good at it. And then over the next like two years, I took over the nightlife in Baltimore. I was promoting the hottest clubs in Baltimore. I was, I had a night in DC that was, that was the busiest night of the week uh, for the night that I, that I promoted. And I was in my life was a party though. It was getting crazy, crazier and crazier. I was doing drugs and just having lots of casual sex and, and, um, and it was definitely spiraling out of control. And I, I, I didn't want to quit drugs. I wanted to do less because I knew I was doing too much. Um, but at the same time, I was making more money and more popular than I'd ever been. So it was almost like being rewarded. Um, and when I was really at the height of my debauchery, I was 27 years old. I went to Cancun, Mexico for spring break with a group of friends was at this bar called daddy O's where all, you know, I have all these girls are, you know, pulling their breasts out, kissing each other. The whole crowd's cheering for us. This is like a normal night for me. And, um, go back to the hotel room, two naked girls in the bathtub, guys, all jacks up full steroids, walking around my hotel room. People from all over the country had flown in to meet each other. And I decided I wanted to go to the pool so I could sleep because there's too many people in my room. And I went down to the pool and I, I, I went to, went to sleep. And when I woke up, I got baptized in the Holy spirit. <laughs> that it's, I tell people that and they're like, what? That's not normal. I'm like, I, I get it. It wasn't normal for me. It was weird. It was crazy. It was like, I didn't even know God was real up until that point. I had gone to Christian school. Wow. My uncle was a believer. So he put me in Christian school in the fifth grade, eighth, ninth, and half a 10th. Mm -hmm. I got kicked out. Of, I got expelled from two of the schools. And then I ended up getting expelled from the public school. I went to in 10th through 12th grade and I ended up getting my GED. So I was kind of a bad kid, but, um, I had never felt God's presence. I had never heard his voice. I saw people speak in tongues, but it never had happened for me. So I was never really sure if it was real. So, I, you know, like I said, my God was pleasure when I became older and, and I woke up this day and God spoke to me and it was as clear as you're talking to me right now. It wasn't audible, but it was undeniable. And he told me basically, trust me, follow me. I have a plan for your life. Now my stage name was Christian. <laughs> it's kind no of a funny way. story. And I didn't, Oh I didn't give gosh. that to myself. Okay. So God's got a sense of humor. Like, he's totally got a sense of humor uh, about all this. Because that was like, I knew that that was, that was him when that happened. Because somebody suggested it and it just kind of stuck. Um, so, yeah. So, I was 27 when this happened. I actually flew home. I was, it was my first, my first night in Cancun. And I like literally flew back the next day and just did the most radical 180 a person can do. I, I never stripped again after that. I quit promoting. I broke up with my hot young girlfriend that I've been sleeping with and cheating on. And I just was like determined to 
you know, be the best Christian wow. that I could be or ever really. I was like, I'm going to be the best Christian. <laughs> I'm going to lead all these people to Jesus. That's what I thought, you know, that God was calling me to do kind of had that, this Moses complex. And, um, you know, I tried actually, I, I, I was like, all right, guys, you know, we're going to start going to church now. And no one followed me. And, uh, <laughs> God had told me basically and so many, he basically was like that he had someone for me and that if I waited, he would bring her to me. And the reason that I think that's important in hindsight is because if he hadn't told me that I surely would have dated it out of loneliness because mm -hmm. I got lonely pretty quickly. I mean, my life up until then was a party. I was out in the bars four or five nights a week. The nights I wasn't out, I had a girl at my house. I mean, I was never alone. Had tons of friends. Um, and now all of a sudden, I'm a Christian, and I don't know any Christians. And my, I can't hang out with my friends anymore because they're making bad. They're gonna make. I'm gonna make the same decisions they're making eventually. And I'm trying to make these changes. Completely sure that God is real and Jesus is who He said He was, and trying to figure it out. So I started going to this church not far from my house where my my ex-girlfriend at the time, her parents went, liked it. It was, it was a really good Bible believing church, but six and a half days a week, I'm by myself, bored and lonely yeah. and not sure what to do or who to do it with. I, I didn't even have a job. I quit. Cause I give, I, you know, some people have to change things when they become a Christian. I had to change yeah. everything. Yeah, I was going like, to ask everything you, what, about my life was wrong. What were you doing professionally? I mean, you, 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 everything, you, yeah. you had to stop for a year and a half, right? Yeah. For a year and a half, I, God didn't let me work. He just told me, you know, I had $20,000 in the bank. He just sat me down. I went through that and then I maxed out my credit cards and I dug a big old hole of debt that I ended up having to borrow, I think like $3,000 off of friends just when I started working just to survive till my first check came in or something. So I ended up getting a job at a Gold's gym and I managed that Gold's gym for five years. But during that time, I'm like, I'm like looking for community. I was looking for people. I'm like, there's gotta be other people out here like me is what I thought. You know, I'm like there's gotta be some other people that are just, you know, know that Jesus is real. They love Jesus, but they're normal. Right. Cause I, <laughs> I didn't really relate to church people yeah. in all honesty. Right. I went to church. I thought they were nice, but there was just, they were, I didn't feel like they were like me. So, and, and honestly, there just wasn't, a, they weren't doing a whole lot outside of church mm -hmm. is what I, I found. So I, I went to like young adult ministries. I went to some Christian coffee houses I, and in all honesty, they were just lame. They were super lame. I remember I was at this one Christian coffee house called, I won't even mention the name. And there was like, I'm sitting at this big round plastic white table. Somebody's playing acoustic guitar. There's like a baby crawling underneath the table. This is like on a Friday night. And I'm like, not what I was used to on a Friday night. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my life now, right? This is what I have yeah. to do. And uh, so eventually I just kind of gave up looking for, a group of people and I decided, all right, I'm just going to stay out of trouble. And if I don't sin long enough, God will give me a wife. That was my, my thought. So I just kind of hunkered down. I worked hard during the week and, um, hmm. I saw a lot of movies <laughs> over the course of about six years, every three or four months or, or so I would get so pent up with energy that I would want to be around people that I would go out and visit my friends at like a bar and I would drink too much or I'd smoke a bunch of cigarettes or a girl you know, I'd see a hot girl and I would get scared that I was going to sin and I would just, I'd go back to isolating for another three or four months. And so that repeated for about six years. Hmm. And finally, I just I just couldn't do it anymore. I just like I, I got to give myself some freedom because I'm not enjoying life. And I decided to uh, I actually was leading a Bible study in a bar um, and I just. I, I so basically what happened is God led me back into promoting, which sounds crazy because I tell people that and they're like, he, God wouldn't have done that. I'm like, he did. He gave me the green light to promote again. I mean, here I'm leading Bible studies. I haven't had sex in six years. I felt pretty good about myself. I was very self-righteous actually. I was kind of a jerk. 
I knew all the verses of why you were going to hell if you sinned, like intentionally sinned and all that. And I would tell people. And um, so I'm leading this Bible study at the, at the club that I promoted. And I so right away, like people didn't even know who I was anymore. I, I, I was had been probably the most popular person in my city. And now it was six years later. People didn't even know me. And I started promoting again. And within about three months, I just took over the scene again. I'm like running the nightlife. I moved the Bible study to the, the club that I promoted on Saturday. I told my doorman, I said, look, if anybody comes to the comes to the club from the small group, let them in for free. Don't charge them. Treat them like VIP. And literally, my small group blew up. Like, literally, I've, <laughs> we were reading pur- Purpose Driven Life on Thursday nights, and we would go out and feed the homeless after. And I had drug dealers and strippers coming to my to my small group and it was awesome i loved it and i was like these are my people <laughs> i was so excited about it but i didn't have any accountability mm-hmm. i was not being mentored by anybody i was just kind of like this renegade out there trying to you know maverick to make a difference and i had sex with a girl broke my streak about a month later i had sex with a second girl and i didn't tell anybody about it and then people found out about it some christians that were in my group and they confronted me and they were pretty harsh and at that point, I was like, I'm done. I I'd st- I was like, I'm not. Hmm. I'm, I was scared it would continue to happen, in all honesty. And I and I stepped down, and I turned the small group over to a, a pastor friend of mine that I just met not long before that, who who now we're really hmm. close. This is this is you know 16, 17 years ago. Um, and he started leading it, and I just was like, I'm just going to attend until I can get myself together. Mm-hmm. And um, once I was in the shadows, it was just really easy to sin because hmm. I. I wasn't leading anything. Now I'm very popular again. I'd broken my six year streak. So that, 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 that badge of pride that I had was gone. And, and now, so I just, I was, wow. you know, the devil served up everything to me on a silver platter. I had all this money again. And so I just spiraled down over the next five years. I made a real good mess of my life and wow. sinned a ton sexually. And, and, and in 2000 and, 10 i believe it was my dad got diagnosed with stage four cancer and he mm-hmm. was like i said we, he was always in another state but we did have a relationship and through that a series of events related to that god really brought me to my knees and and i rededicated my life to him uh around the end of 2010 or 2011 i think it was and um recommitted myself to waiting again i, I had this hot, you know hot girlfriend that i've been having sex with and god started at first I was actually not even committing to waiting. I was just going to rededicate my life to God, get real involved at church. And I thought, you know, I was, I was rationalizing or justifying the sex. Cause I was like, well, I'm only sleeping with her. We're in a committed relationship. That's not that bad. And God was like crystal clear. I could tell you a funny story actually, where we were fooling around one time we were about to have sex. And I said, I said to her, let me put some music on. And I grabbed the remote from her coffee table and I hit, if you're in Baltimore, everything above 400 on Comcast is music mm-hmm. stations. So I hit 411 because it was fast just to hit one one and um, gospel. Come on. <laughs> I knew you were going to say like, that. Oh, I grabbed the remote. <laughs> yeah, I want to listen to this. I went down one station. I went down one station. The next station was old school R&B. And the first lyric said, temptation's going to get me every time. That was the first lyric. No way. So I went, I basically, I, I, you know, later, I, I don't know if it was that day, but I, I had a conversation with God and I was like, look, I'm going to try this again your way. And if, and if I'm in love with this girl, cause I wasn't sure we, we had a bad relationship, but once I rededicated, probably it was because of me, I was behaving better. Uh, we started to get along better and I started thinking, maybe I am in love with this girl. So I, I just had this conversation with God and I'm like, look, if, if I'm in love with her, convince me and I'll marry her. If I'm, and if I'm not in love, help us break up because we had broken up about a 
I don't know, 10 or 15 times over the course of two years. And we would always get back together. Mm. And I was like, help us break up if I'm not in love, because I obviously can't do it. We can't do it ourselves. So I just went to her and I said, listen, I'm not sure if we're built to last, but here's how I think we're going to find out. We're going to stop having sex. And if we become convinced we're in love, let's get married. But if we become convinced we're not in love, let's stop wasting each other's time. So we cut it off. She was kind of reluctant, but um, wow. she could tell it was serious. So we cut it off. And about three weeks later, I got a text and she's like, and she had been married before. She's like, I don't ever want to get married again. And she broke out with me. And literally within a month's time, she got pregnant by her neighbor oh. and boom, moved out no of state. Way. And I was like, tell me if that wasn't God really honored my prayer because we could have gone back and forth at least a few more yeah. times like that so and this is before i knew anything about city fam before the book all i knew is that god was telling me stop having sex with your hot girlfriend so it's <laughs> like you don't know what the blessing is on the other side of that obedience because if i hadn't listened none of the great stuff that i'm part of now would have right. happened so he tells me you know I, I make that decision i get real involved at my church but i go through pretty much the same thing that i went through the first six years where every night Every, you know, I won't even have a girl over my house because I was too scared we'd have sex. So I'm literally home alone, wow. you know, six or seven nights a week. And that lasted about a year. And I was complaining to somebody. I was like, I don't know about this abundant life stuff that Jesus is talking about. I said, but my, my life's not abundant. My life sucks. And, and they were like, well, why don't you start promoting again? You, you know, or they didn't say start promoting. They said, why don't you start putting some events together to give yourself something to look forward to that won't cause you to sin? I was like, it was like a light bulb went off. So I, I started planning these events and I, I had some friends from church that I say they loved Jesus, but they were normal, yeah. <laughs> you know, because they were just like normal guys that love the Lord right. and they could go out and have a beer or whatever. And they were lonely. They were bored like I was, and we would complain to each other. So I started organizing these events and they would come. And then I would invite my old friends that I couldn't get to come to church for all these years. I'd, I'd invite them to the social event. And then what would happen is through the relationship with my friends from church, they, a lot of times they would end up in church and they would get saved. And then all of a sudden they're working the next steps table. And I'm like, this is what I've been trying to do all along. Right. So we started doing service events somewhere in there. Uh, we started doing a volunteer event every month We um, where we would just go out and you know volunteer at a worthwhile cause together. And, and the group started really growing. I saw a lot of people's lives changing. And I was like, we got to give this a name. So we called it City Fam. And um, now we got... We got four chapters. We got one in Baltimore, Oklahoma City, Houston, and Dallas. And we got about a dozen other groups that are in the process of trying to become chapters. And, uh, and then what happened is, so we started City Fam in 2000. Our first official event was 2015, Valentine's Day. 2015 was our first event. And I'm trying to explain what it is to people, like, through words. And, and the people are like, it's a cult. And I was hearing all kinds of weird stuff, right? <laughs> I'm like, well, first off, if it, uh, here's how you know it passes the cult, the cult sniff test. Is in a cult, 100% of the time, the guy at the top is having sex with all the women. I'm not having any sex. <laughs> so you know it's not yeah. a cult. So I was like, so I'm trying to explain what it is. And I thought, man, I, I need to get on some podcasts or something. But but people don't really care if you started a nonprofit. I'm like, I got to write a book mm -hmm. or something. And I thought I'm going to write, I'm going to write that, a book. And the only book I could think that to write was about sex. Cause I had lived it now such polar ends of the yeah. spectrum where I had been the, the you know, biggest man or in my city to literally abstinent now for the majority of, you know, 17 of the last 22 years, which is horrible to even hear <laughs> me say that. Um, but I had a real good understanding of sex because it just gave me a, a perspective. And anytime I explained it to people, they, they really 
seem to get it. So I was like, I'm gonna write a book about sex. And um, I did, I started writing it. And while I was writing it, I made a video called 10 reasons not to have sex before marriage. I posted it on YouTube It went viral. It became the number one video for the, for that topic on YouTube. And then I started having, and in the, in the video, I mentioned city fam. And, and uh, so now I, people start reaching out to me from all over the world going, Hey, how can I start one of these things? And in hindsight, it really, you know, as God was all over it because the, even though city fam isn't the abstinent group per se, it's the people that start one have to be waiting because if not, you can't have a Fox in the hen house, mm -hmm. you know, you can't have yeah. the guy leading it, sleeping with the girls or that'll destroy community faster than anything. So it's just almost like a pastor at a church, you know, like he's got to be above reproach. Mm -hmm. So, so, and, and on top of that, the people that really are the loneliest a lot of times are the people that are waiting because, you know, you literally have to keep your boundaries so tight that you might be alone a lot. If you, and if you don't have community, you're, you, what happened to me was I backslid and I didn't even mean mm -hmm. to, I just needed to be around people and I fell back into sin. So, so now we have all these, yeah, we have these chapters and our mission is to end loneliness. That's mm -hmm. what we, we really feel like is, is, and we feel like we have a chance. I mean, will you ever end loneliness? Right. But that is our goal. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to tell you about but no i mean for the most part that that's my story that's how I, that's how i got here yeah that's that's amazing so rob there's like <laughs> go ahead yeah, chris sorry. there's like a million things i want to ask you but let's <laughs> right. let's start with city fam so you it's been going now for you said since 2015 was the first one so about seven yeah. years yeah tell us the types of people who come to city fam i, I yeah i mean i i have in my mind that you're getting well, I have in my mind who's coming, but tell me, tell me who's sure. coming and why they're coming and what they find and what their reaction is. Yeah, I think it's a lot of people that um, it's older than you would think, probably because I'm older. You know, it's not like in, people in their 20s typically, but there are some people in their 20s that come. Typical average age, I would say, is probably like 40, 45 years old. People that usually have a church background. Um, but like, you know, what I. I think a lot of times when you're an older single in the church, you are the forgotten group. Oh, yeah. So a lot of things are for the young and they're for the families. And when you're older and you're single, they're like, Hey, don't sin. Don't have sex. We'll see you next <laughs> Sunday. Like they, you're kind of hung out to dry a little yep. bit. So a lot of times it's people that are older Christians that are single recently, but a lot of, a lot of recently divorced. Right. And they're trying to navigate life right mm -hmm. now. They're divorced. They don't have a person and the dating cultures are so jacked yep. up. Yep. You know, they're, they're that that's just, like throwing them to the wolves. So they come all across city fam and they find a, a way that they can be around. Uh, they can have a social life. They can make it intentional because they're actually, you know, we look at it as we're, we're, we're building each other up just by hanging out with each other. But also we try to pull people that aren't yet Christians into these environments because of what was happening for the people that I exposed to it. So um, we're, we're not the faith-based group. We're not the abstinent group. We're not the sober group. We all, we just say we want to become the best version of ourselves. And I can make an argument that if you're doing any of those things at all, some of those things at all, but any of those things in excess, you're, you're hindering your growth. Um, but yeah, that, 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 I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Say, yeah. It's yeah. kind of what I suspected, but, um, yeah, because you're right. I mean, you know, I, I'm divorced and I'm remarried, but you know, when you're divorced and you're in your forties or fifties, mm. <laughs> yep. It's just so hard. I mean, you know, and you, any, you've been a Christian, you know, you're let's, let's say you're a Christian. What does the church right. offer you? There might be a divorce recovery group, which is, you know, just right. I mean, it's needed, but you don't want to talk about divorce all the time. 
right you you want to move on with your life and you want to start meeting people and and you want to you want to be you know you want to practice you don't want to have sex uh, well, you may want to, but yeah. you're trying not to, right? I mean, you're trying. You know, you're, you're in a completely unfamiliar situation, and you have no idea what to do. Your, your life's been torn apart, and so this thing just seems like a godsend. And, and much like a ton of people. as a former pastor, much like we talk about with men, churches don't know what to do with men. Churches don't know what to do with this category either. <laughs> These people either. Oh no, because I, I know because because it church is so geared toward the family, right? And unfortunately. The byproduct of that is that often singles get kind of left out without the church meaning to, but it is really hard for them to to find connection. Yeah, singles are messy too, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's why God's so smart and how he designed all this because even though, like, we don't, if people come into City Fam, we don't push them to waiting, but, but it trickles down, you know? So, like, we always take the people that are waiting and push them to City Fam because they really need it. But the call, the, the, that, that uh, purity, component trickles down for sure becomes part of the culture where um i'll see people come into city fam and they they are real churchy they speak their christianese they sit in the front row but they've been having sex behind closed doors and not telling anybody Mm -hmm. they'll come into city fam and they'll actually stop doing that and now they're hanging out at a concert and and it's like and they have freedom and it's like, well, this isn't kind of what Jesus wanted for you all along, but you had this facade on because mm-hmm. you were lonely and now you're, and you were hooking up with that person because you were bored and lonely. And now, so it kind of flips the script where yeah. I feel like sometimes church people almost look at us like we're lukewarm and I'm like, we're red hot, mm, yeah. you know, like we're, and we're, don't you realize we're the ones that brought everybody here, all these first time <laughs> guests, because we're actually fishing where the fish are wow. and, and not even doing it in a way that's like, Hey, let me, let me, uh, tell you why you're not going to heaven or give you this track all we're doing is doing life with them and just at some point they're like they just think that we're fine they're we're cool you guys are nice and they just mm-hmm. start moving with us and we just all happen to be christians and they come to church with us and then they get saved they hear the gospel and they get saved it's so organic it's like it's almost effortless in a, a lot of ways i mean it's not yeah. effortless because you got to invite the people but in some part like you know if we were all hanging out at, at, at a, a bar let's just say and i i it's not all of our, our events in our bars, but let's say wherever we're hanging out, if we're hanging out together, guarantee God's going to mm-hmm. come up in conversation. And we're talking about, Oh man, God, I did this, yeah, had this prayer and God answered it this way. And then a lot of times they'll be within earshot. They're hearing it. We're not even trying to sell it to you. Yeah. And that almost makes it more yeah. appealing. And next thing you know, they just, it just happens. And the Holy spirit just gets them. And, and uh, it's been really cool to watch how he's so, done it. Okay. So that's a great transition, uh, Rob, great transition because so what that speaks to, to me, uh, is the significance of community, but but community out there, mm. okay? Too often, I think churches mm-hmm. become the the social club. You know what I mean? Like so, so you mm. attend church, and it's assumed that you're a good person, you're a good Christian, whether you are or not, because you're there. You look good. Often you dress nice. You come with your family. You're so well behaved. You might even attend a you know a small group together once a week or different church events once a week or whatever. But rarely is someone actually in your life in some way, like like integrated into your everyday life uh, community experiences. So this is where it, it, I think, relates to what you've called the go method with churches. And I'd love for you to, yeah. if you just describe it. Hey guys, thanks again for joining us today and investing your most valuable resource, your time. 
Now, next time, you will hear the second half of our interview with Rob Kowalski, where he talks about the Go Method and how through the Go Method, he almost doubled the attendance of his church. So if, especially if you're a pastor or a ministry leader, this will be really valuable for you to, to hear and learn from. I think he has something really special going on with CityFam, and uh, we'll talk more about that in the next episode. All right, fellas, until next time, keep living empowered.